This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 215, Client Spotlight, From Building Cash to Bitcoin with Jack Gerstner. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode. I want to just, I guess, start with an idea that's been rambling around in my head ever since I talked to our guest today, who I'll introduce in just a moment. The idea was you cannot outsource your financial plan. You cannot rely on somebody else to build your financial plan. If you do, they will end up building theirs instead. I want that to sink in for a moment. You know, I did an episode a long time ago. It was episode 122. The episode is Your Last Money Guru. And I highly recommend listen to that one. If you like this episode today, you're going to love that one. Uh, but today's episode is going to be very special. I love bringing on some of my favorite people in the world to talk to. Um, those are my clients. These are the people who've entrusted their uh, journey, financial journey with me. But it is their financial plan that they're building. I am not their money guru. They have become their own source of financing. They've become the captain of their own ship. They are building their own financial strategy, which is truly made clear in my conversation today, you're going to find with Jack Gerstner. Jack Gerstner uh, is a wonderful friend, a client of many years. He lives in Elmhurst, Illinois with his beautiful wife, Lauren, and their daughter, Mia, and another little one on the way before you know it. Jack is an Illinois native and has lived here his entire life. He's a transportation and logistics professional and an officer in the Navy Reserve. When he's not spending time with his family or working, Jack enjoys running, and boy does he, I mean, multiple marathons, this guy, so he's a big runner, uh, reading and learning about finance. Jack uh, started his Bank on Yourself journey in 2014 with us at Lake Growth Financial Services and now has multiple policies on himself, his family, and all the ways he uses his policy is going to be something I know you're not going to want to miss. So stick around for the full interview I have here with Jack Gerstner. Jack, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. So I've already kind of gone through your bio and I can't wait for this. I've been looking forward to this meeting all week. I think it's going to be a fairly interesting conversation. You and I always have, I think, just lovely, very intriguing, brain-stimulating conversations for me. One of the things I wanted to ask you about as we get started here is financial education. You believe in making yourself a better version of yourself, Jack. It's clear. It's evident. Can you just tell me what is your approach to your financial life and also share what you've learned regarding finances? Yeah, absolutely. So financial education, I think, is really an afterthought in terms of like traditional education and then kind of what society leads you to do. I think it takes a high level of personal responsibility and ownership to take on financial education for yourself. So for that, for me, that meant reading books about money, listening to podcasts like yours about money, and just really reading and absorbing as much as I possibly could about the topic. And from there, just taking it upon myself to take action on that 
and putting the onus on me to really drive that boat. Uh, I have nothing to guess, you know, financial advisors. I mean, obviously you work with DB Mark and that you fill that role in some capacity for me, but I really think that everyone has the tools they need to do it on their own. Um, just if they take some time and invest into that education process. So really what it comes down to me is a lot of research and, and self teaching, uh, and being open to new ideas and having a questioning attitude on what you've been taught and been told your entire life, um, and challenging those assumptions constructively. Tell me about your story with money. Money really wasn't a thing for me until college when I started working, you know, part-time. I was, had some help from my parents in college, I'm thankful for. It really started to hit home. I had to pay my first rent check. I, I was shocked. I was like, oh, I have to pay this every month. I'm like, how am I going to do that? I had a job, so that was good. But from there, I started to gain a greater appreciation for just how important it is and how I need to save it and allocate it wisely. Mm -hmm. So that kind of took me on a, up a journey where, again, I did a lot of personal education and I, I became very interested in hard assets, commodities, specifically gold and silver. Then later also cryptocurrencies, uh, became very interested in that. And then at the same time of the, the crypto stuff became interested in a life insurance and bake on yourself, which is when we started our relationship. So my journey really started slow then really accelerated uh, once I understood the importance of it, understood that I had to use the fruits of my labor wisely. And fortunately for me, I didn't really have many preconceived notions about money because my formal education was in liberal arts specifically. I majored in history and philosophy because I was supposed to be a lawyer and just didn't decide to go that route. I was kind of a blank slate. And I think that was an advantage for me in learning some of these non-traditional ways and how to, to grow well. If you're willing to tell us a bit about the, the writing work you did in finance, and then tell me what caused you to reach out to me regarding bank on yourself. Like I'm curious about the sparks that were flying at that moment. Yeah. So I used to uh, write for uh, a website that focused on Bitcoin content and cryptocurrencies. So I was just passionate about the topic and interested in it. So I would submit articles to a newsletter, uh, and, you know, got paid, you know, sometimes in Bitcoin for it, which was pretty cool. So it was just a reflection of my passion. Right. And I wanted to, you know, use my time towards that. I did read the bake on yourself. A revolution book by Pamela Yellen. I came to that book via just researching money and then in different types of ways and vehicles, the whole money and via bake on yourself. That's how we got connected. And then, you know, fast forward a decade later, several policies and annuity policies on my wife and my daughter as well. And it's been a really cool tool, the toolbox for how we manage our money. How does your family use this tool of bank on yourself holistically, financially speaking? What does it mean for you and how have you used the policies? Yeah. So it's our primary savings vehicle one. So we are dedicated to saving a, the high proportion of our income and we put that into our policies. We keep a token amount in our bank accounts, but as 
everyone knows the interest rates you get there don't do anything. Uh, so we, we want to leverage the whole life insurance policies as savings accounts. Other than that, we use it for a lot of different purposes. Specifically, we've renovated two homes uh, using money from the policies. You usually pay my property taxes by taking policy loans, pay medical bills. It serves as uh, our emergency fund. And I've also used it to speculate in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Uh, so they kind of manage risk better than just going out and, and buy from my bank account. And then also, you know, what we're using it for is just to leave a legacy. So, you know, when we, we graduate to the, the man and women upstairs, we leave something for our families that they can, they can use for their future. It's awesome. I'm so intrigued by the, the spectrum by which you've used your policies. I'm going to say back what I heard you say. You may include some things I've forgotten. Renovating property, paying your property taxes, covering an emergency, a health emergency, and speculating in, in cryptocurrency markets. Now that's about as far spectrum as I can come up with. You know, I really can't think of anything further along that spectrum. And many people have used, a lot of clients have used their policy for one of those things or two, but it's very unique to find someone who has something like your entire kind of history book here. So talk to me, why did you use the policy for the emergency? If you want to talk about that, why do you use it for property taxes? That seems like an annual expense. And most people think, well, I'll just, I'll put that in my escrow account or I'll, I'll you know, I'll pay cash for my property taxes out of my escrow account. How does dividend paying whole life insurance and, and, and Bitcoin, what do they have in common with each other? But take us down that path. Why do you use the policy as sort of a cash flow? It's almost like you use it for a cash flow management system. That's because you told me to. Okay. <laughs> well, good answer. All right. Show's over. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. In terms of medical expenses, you know, that was birth of our daughter. So you get some nice medical bills after that. So use that to, to pay the rest of that off and you know property taxes by borrowing the money from my policies our policies right i still have the compounding power growing in that policy even when that money is not there because i borrowed it from the insurance company shovel fund so i'm not losing that compounding power so that's why we do it right because you want that asset to continue to grow but you can use that dollar twice and then yes you have to pay back the policies but part of that interest is captured back in your policies and paid back via the dividend so the reason why we use the policies as one of our primary financing tools is you get to use the same dollar more than once. And that allows you to better manage cash flow, uh, better allows you to build long-term wealth and just gives you more control over your financial destiny. Yeah, you bring up a great point on, on property taxes. When we have an annual recurring annoying, I call it annoying expenses like property taxes or, or, or income taxes or school tuition, or you could keep going here. We can either just let that money leave our wealth system for the rest of our life, along with all of what that money would have earned for us. I mean, think about how taxes essentially are our life's greatest expense. Yep. And we just pay the, pay the payroll tax or pay the property tax with our cash and never watch that money work for us ever again. I mean, that's a travesty of the highest order, especially in the land of the free, you know? Um, yep. so-called land of the free. So yep. what you've, what you're doing is you're recapturing that and you're recycling that 
uh, and that opportunity continues now to compound for your future. 100%. And it's just, it's such a useful tool and it's an important conversation to have you know, with your loved ones or your wife about it. But once you get it, you just start using it a lot and it makes all the sense in the world. Now, okay, so I've talked on previous episodes about how there are three sides to every coin. You know, there's heads, there's tails, and then there's the edge. Tell me about Bitcoin. Tell me about your philosophy and, and rationale for investing in cryptocurrency and specifically why we're using the policy to do so. Bitcoin is a, a digital currency that has a finite supply that would be produced via mining algorithm. So the easiest way to think about it is digital gold. Uh, that is deflationary in nature. So you can't print um, any more Bitcoins than the 21 million that will be produced over its lifetime. The reason why it's an exciting speculation is because it's hard money in its truest sense, but applicable to our, you know, digital age and in modern technology and modern economy. So it can be sent across borders. It can be sent with the click of a mouse. You don't have to lug a bag of gold bricks or silver bars until you pay for something. It's very practical. So basically what I saw was an asset that was, or a speculation that was extremely undervalued, that was set to benefit from all of the financial shenanigans going on in the world at the time. It's and accelerating today, specifically going with uh, money printing and just general mismanagement of money by uh, the authorities. I saw an opportunity to invest there. And what I wanted to do was manage my risk because again, this is an unprecedented or new type of speculation. I knew it can and could at the time go to zero. So borrowed from my policy to invest in that, right? So even if it went to zero, I would still have that, I can still pay back that principal that was still growing at the same time. So really what I'm at now is that this interesting nexus of having, you know, whole life insurance, dividend, whole life insurance pay policies that are extremely safe on one side. And then the other side is very speculative, volatile Bitcoin, but it has worked very well. Bitcoin has outperformed every major stock index every year. And if you can stomach the volatility, it makes a whole lot of sense, in my opinion, to take a position at it or dollar cost average into it. Mm -hmm. And if you're worried about risk, which I am, I'll uh, you know, worked with you to identify what is the, well, one of the most safest, conservative, yet practical financial tools out there, which is dividend pay whole life insurance. So. It was a marriage made it happen for me and made a whole lot of sense to me at the time. And I've been, I've been doing that approach for several years now. Well, and it's, it's a phenomenal approach it, and it couples very nicely with a lot of other strategies that similarly have absolutely no guarantee. You know, uh, many of our clients have used their policies to invest in their business talk about a speculative asset, you know. There's not even a, there's not even a, a bottom to how far down you can fall in your business because you can always go into debt and and there's that you know you can your business might actually go below zero uh, if you invest right. with, but you're you're bringing up a really important point, Jack, which is, you're you've hedged your bet with a compounding asset. That's why I say there's three sides to every coin. And, and I didn't make that up. That's Robert Kiyosaki's famous phrase. There's three sides to every coin. There's heads, there's tails and the edge. And you've taken the edge. You've said, all right, 
I think this is a safe bet. It's a, it's at least a, an interesting bet. Uh, and could it go to the moon? Yes. Could it go to zero? Yes. No matter. My policy will continue to give me some arbitrage and positive yield, even on the capital I borrow. And I think that's a really phenomenal way to go because who knows where the future will take us, but we've got some contracts. We've got some contracts in your future that you've pre-written. Uh, and that's, that's a tremendous peace of mind, at least uh, from my vantage point. Helps you sleep at night. And we also, you know, we have an annuity as well. So it was when speculating in highly volatile things like Bitcoin, it was much easier and much more responsible to do that, in my opinion, knowing that there was these anchor assets in the portfolio that were there no matter what. Mm -hmm. uh, so when, you know, Bitcoin loses half of its value overnight and everyone's telling me that I made a bad decision, I just say, thanks for your feedback. I understand. And then a year later, I remind them that it tripled uh, from the previous high. But on those very dark days, right, when you need to really look at what your strategy was, and that's where the insurance products come in. I mean, they play an incredibly crucial part to that strategy. It's great. You can hold on a little better or hodl on a little bit better. Yeah. Right. Well, okay. So how much of your, you don't have to tell us dollar numbers, but can you give us some idea of like what percentage of your policy you kind of, do you have any sort of framework for allocating, hey, I'm going to make 10% of my cash value is going to be investment slash speculation. The rest is going to be real estate slash emergency fund. I mean, do you have anything like that in your own frame of mind? Or is it just sort of like, okay, I've got this money in my policy. I'm just going to pull it out and throw it into this other thing over there. Is there, in other words, is there any kind of intentionality. You're a philosophy major, a history major. I assume you've thought about it before you make that loan, before you request a loan. Talk to us about your 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 management of these policies. So we're getting there with the help of your tools on getting uh, more intentional on the uh, capital allocation per expense. However, the, the process today is just make sure we have around three to six months living expense minimal at all times. And then after that, uh, it's okay. Do we have any other big expenses coming up for buying a home, buying a car, stuff like that? If the answers to that are no, then we look at where we can grow. Right. So we look at, okay, can we, um, put more money into our rental property, which we have, right. Or can we put more into Bitcoin or should we not do anything and take excess cash from the bank account and open up another policy? Mm -hmm. and what I'm yeah. working on is. Uh, getting even more detailed with that. And you have some awesome tools to do that in terms of specific jobs to give the money right in the future. Uh, so I'm excited to work on that time permitting in the near future, but you have well, to, you. you have to have an, an idea of what you're doing. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, we do have some tools and you're referring to some tools that are made exclusively for Lake growth clients, Jack, um, and folks, you're welcome to reach out to us. We can talk to you more about those. But Jack, you're right. I think there's some some people really get into those tools. Other people, they're like, okay, Mark, you know, I'll see you next six month review. You know, yeah. Um, but uh, I always make sure that folks know that this is not a piggy bank that they can just rip cash out of. But it's also not locked away money that we shouldn't be, you know, that we should try to ignore with our minds. You know, it's it's a dynamic cash flow management system, and you've done a great, a tremendous job of dynamically using that, keeping money in there for the three to six months, which 
I think is kind of describe that. Why do you use your policy for your six month emergency fund rather than, you know, at the savings account at the bank? You get better yield on it. One, you're getting, you know, you're, you're probably around 5% in your insurance policy. You can access the money like just as quickly as you can access it in a, in a checking account. And the financial standing of the insurance companies in my opinion is stronger than many of the banks. Well, so, I mean, it, it might take us about a week, let's say, to get the money out of the policy, but yeah. you're keeping, as you said, a token amount in your regular bank yeah. account for quick flat tires and that sort of thing. But I right. assume I assume when you're thinking of easy access to cash, a week is not going to be a problem. Yeah. Exactly. And between what you even the to check an account or what you can do with your credit cards, like yeah. you can cover any short-term expenses. It's there you not. Go. What is your philosophy for finance? You know, um, I, I want to kind of go to philosophy slash history major, Jack, you know, <laughs> I, there's a book, one of my favorite books I recently read, it was called debt, the first 5,000 years by David Graeber. <laughs> Great yeah. book on the philosophy of money. And he actually says debt pre-existed money. So I just kind of want to know your and, and you can take this anywhere you want to go, Jack, but what is your strategic, uh, that may be the wrong word. What is your financial strategy and or philosophy for yourself and just the macro economy? If you got, if you got an opinion on that, on that, I'm, I'm ready to listen. For sure. Yeah. Money's a tool. It's not the end all be all, but it's an important tool to and live your life and achieve your goals and, and take care of your family. So knowing that that's a tool you can use for good for your family and society in general. And what my philosophy is, you know, learn a lot about money and don't trust, don't trust, verify the advice you're told, right? It's, uh, I, I feel that a lot of advice that people trust today is, is, um, okay. Uh, if they want to average results and if they want to perform, you know, consistent with market. But I think there's just so much opportunity to look and study finance on your own to have much more lucrative results. And I think it's important to do that because you owe that time, that investment of time in studying money to your family and to yourself to live to your like highest potential. Hmm. So I just think it's a wise allocation of time to study money is basically my philosophy. Other than that, uh, just a healthy distrust of the mainstream advice in general um, is is pretty important. Just because I, I don't think people are trying to give bad advice. Uh, I just think that people can do it better on their own with the help of experts from time to time from people such as yourself. Uh, I, you know, generally from a macro level, I think you're seeing the lack of financial education, discipline, and responsibility playing out in our world today. Uh, we've seemingly lost the ability to balance a budget as a country, as a state, as a whatever, as a world. And allocation of capital uh, seems to be going to riskier and riskier things where people can sell to the, the greater fool, right? And, and make their, their buyout. And I, I fear the day when, you know, this kind of comes back to earth um, and we get back to a world where financial responsibility uh, and having you know balanced rational budgets financial statements matters so I, I think we are we've kind of created this reality that we're in today of financial mismanagement and I think the solution is 
owning, learning the right way. How does bank on yourself, either those words or the tool fit into your philosophy? Yeah, bank on yourself allows you to become, to take that personal responsibility. It allows you to become your own central bank in a lot of ways. Uh, and it gives you a greater amount of control over your destiny where you aren't and uh, as beholden to the to to what's going on, you know, in the outside world, in the outside economy. Uh the the statement bank on yourself is, you know, telling, right? It's like you should bank on you to to drive the results. Um, because you have to take personal responsibility really to be successful in this world financially. Because in in my opinion, and I'm certainly not right all the time, in my opinion, your chances of being successful with money are, are higher if you take charge versus someone else. Somebody once said the four most dangerous words in the financial vocabulary are the words, do it for me. <laughs> well, no one's going to care about your money more than you. Yeah, you're and right. Like, that's just a fact. So you got to be that steward. And, you know, all you got to do is just wake up at 5 a.m. every day and read about it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it, man. That's it. <laughs> And here's this pill too, you know, a magic right. pill. No, right. but you're, you're right. It's amazing how incremental change over time can be compounding. I mean, it's the same boring results. You know, it's nothing thrilling when you're up at 4.40 or 5 o'clock every single morning, but it's incremental change. It's you reaching for a little bit better pace on your marathon. It's you getting up just one little bit at a time, learning three, six pages a day. It's your policy growing at a nice, steady, boring rate of return. But over time, it's tremendous, the J-curve that can happen when you've got 1% change every day, every year, whatever of your life. It's, it's incredible. What's, uh, what's one thing you, you feel like people just don't realize uh, about how money really works? That's a really good question. I think that people don't realize that uh, you know, the, the value and purchasing power of money is going down every day. They don't understand inflation. Uh, and how that is a tax, uh, on everyone and how it's pretty insidious. And I think if people understood inflation and why that happens, they would potentially get pretty mad. Uh, so I think, you know, people studying the origins of money and how our system works is a good use of time because I don't think that people understand that every day that dollar in their bank account loses the ability to buy just as many loaves of bread or, you know, chocolate cookies day over day over day. Just a side note for fun. Yeah. Um, I, I just recorded an episode called not your average inflation. And we're talking about some of what you just described and we're diving specifically into the history of whole life insurance in the midst of our last great period of inflation, the late seventies uh -huh. and early eighties, guess what dividends in those years, the late seventies, early eighties, as we experienced, you know, middle teens inflation rates every year in the late seventies, guess what dividends were 12, 14, 16% in yeah. those years. Can you imagine that on your policies right now? Be great. Um, yeah, be great. So, so here you and I are, and and hundreds of thousands of other policyholders across this country, part of the revolution. Are we saying that this is an immune asset to an, to Weimar Germany style inflation? No, no, I'm not saying that. But it's a it's at least a bulwark. It's at least something that can 
can grow alongside a rising tide of interest um, that interest rates that might be that might be coming. Who knows? Okay, so it, I don't know whether to take this down a certain road or not, but I'll just ask: Why did you join the Navy? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, I'm just committed to like community service and service in general. I felt uh, joining the Navy Reserves was the most impactful way I could I could give back, and really. At my funeral, so after my family has, you know, collected my death benefits, right? And they're, mm-hmm. they feel pretty good about And the that. Bitcoin, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so it, it's really, for me, it's just something that I felt like I needed to do. And I'm fortunate enough to be blessed with an amazing wife who has supported me uh, through this journey. Uh, but yeah, I feel that it's, I, America, in my opinion, is not perfect. but still, in my opinion, the best place to live in the world. And I want to make that better. So that was my way of getting back. That's awesome. What a great answer. And thank you for being willing and and ready to give back. If you found yourself sitting across the table from 18-year-old Jack, what do you want to tell him? What do you want to shake him and say, listen up? What do you want to say? Yeah, manage your time. But plan your days down in the minute if you can. It'd be okay if it doesn't go that way. But have a plan for every day and don't waste a moment. That doesn't mean don't relax, just plan for that. But I would say the one thing you can't get more of is time. So manage it and take advantage of it. I love that, man. I love that. You know, paying attention to our time is like, it's the most crucial asset because it's a non-renewable asset. And we, we literally keep it like a currency. Time is a currency. It's, we pay attention. And if you can, if you can pay attention to every day, both in advance of experiences and also reflecting, like, how did it go? What can I learn? What should I stop doing? If we can pay attention, we can treat our time as its most valuable asset. So way to go. That's awesome. Thank you. Great. Love it. Thank you for that. And it, it looks like you. if folks want to get in touch with you, the best way is to find you on LinkedIn. Is that correct? Yep. Just shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Great. And we'll put the link to your LinkedIn on the show notes, Jack. Uh, any uh, Any final thoughts as we wrap up? No, I, I really appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate uh, your time, Mark, and your partnership over the years. Like I said, this is my best meeting of the week, and uh, I look forward to doing this again sometime. Well, Jack, I want to thank you for our friendship. It's become a friendship. I enjoy the conversations every time. I learn something. I think the insights you bring make me better, and it makes many of our clients in other conversations better as well. So thank you for being a part of the revolution. Yeah, thank you very much, Mark. Thank you again, Jack, for that incredibly thoughtful and thought-provoking episode. I always love our conversations. You always get me thinking. Today, it was really about that concept of responsibility. And when I asked Jack about what he thought of when he thought of the bank on yourself phrase, how does that fit into his philosophy? He really brought forward something that is sort of a play, I guess it's an intentional play on words on Pamela Yellen's part, that bank on yourself is a, is a reference to the, the need to and the intention to not rely on a financial advisor, not to rely on the Wall Street casino, not to rely on the government, to have a internal locus of control in your financial life. Now, we all know that there are some things that are totally out of your control, But for the most part, even the worst circumstances, even the things that are completely out of your control 
can at least become more valuable to you by taking an internal locus of control. In other words, there are no victims, there are only volunteers. And what I mean by that is that there is absolutely going to be moments in all of our life when bad things happen. But if you have a moment when you think to yourself, hey, this happened to me, you can then say the words, this will happen because of me. And by making that internal locus of control yours, and by taking extreme ownership in your life, you can be honest about where you failed, where you succeed, what you can do to increase the likelihood of a positive outcome in the future. It's not about beating yourself up. It's about taking honest control and learning to grow and take the power back in your life. Rather than being a victim, you can be an intentional future maker. In fact, there's a book out there by Jocko Willink. The book is called Extreme Ownership. And I just think about that when I think about Jack, Jack Gerstner. So I want to say thank you to Jack and thank you for not outsourcing your responsibility of your financial future, Jack, to me or to anybody else. You are the one in control of your destiny. And so are you, dear listener. If you take this information as, hey, the, the person with all the answers is Mark Willis, you've missed the point of this podcast in all of our episodes. The point is bank on yourself, become your own source of financing. Not just how you run your, how you buy your cars and real estate, but how do you make moves in your financial life and really your overall life that brings balance, margin, control, peace, sanity. That's what we're looking at when we say not your average financial revolution. So I want to say thank you to Jack and so many of my awesome clients that I get to meet with and am inspired by all day long. It's truly a great job. So as we wrap up, thank you to Kay Troop who wrote a five-star review. Kay Troop says, great information delivered casually. Holly and Mark do a great job explaining banking and insurance concepts in a way anyone can understand. The show notes include the detailed worksheets from the episode and cross-references to previous episodes. So it's easy to catch up or get a refresher on concepts and terms. Nice work, guys. Well, thank you, Kay Troop. And wherever you are in the world, please feel free to send that uh, to me. Uh, as an email, go to hello at nyafinancialpodcast.com. Send me a picture of that five-star review and I'll give you a free book. And that includes you, dear listener. Uh, if you want to send me a five-star review, make sure you email me at that address and we'll make sure to get you a book uh, free of charge. Well, thank you, Jack. Thank you to all of our revolutionary clients and you, our revolutionary listeners, for joining me this week for Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live different with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.